0: Thank you, Sanctuary Choir, Brenton Hoffenbach. That was beautiful. Thank you. Only in eternity. It takes an eternity to extol you. How'd you put that? Not just one day in seven, but seven days of praise. I like that. Beautiful prayer to pray on this Sabbath that ushers in, we say by faith, our new springtime pray with you. And then we're going to plunge into this teaching. This is, this, is, this is a teaching that needs a lot of prayer, just like we prayed over little Abigail a moment ago. You guys are so lucky, Seth and Kara. Yeah. So, we need God to, to hold us close. We want to hear him. So, let's pray together. Father, we've been much in worship. It's not like we're just kicking into gear now. This is what we do for the final moments. The sun is streaming through these stained-glass windows. We believe that spring is coming, and there's just a, a joy in the air, even as the choir just sang. This teaching, make it clear. Don't let it be your voice. There are a lot of other voices in us, but let it be your voice, not the preacher's voice, that finally gets through. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once upon a time, Jesus had a hometown, but they didn't believe in him, and so he performed no miracles there. Once upon another time, Jesus had a home church, but they didn't believe in him, and so he performed no miracles there. Hometown Nazareth, home church, Laodicea, two very sad stories. What's up with that? No faith. Both the hometown and the home church, Camping Mount, you stay out there. We'll call you when we need you. And they never needed him. But don't be sad, because the good news is one of the two stories is still being written as we speak. It has a letter. And at the very end of that letter is a promise that is Dynamite. I want to share that ending. It's the last letter of the Bible. To the last faith community on earth. Don't make the same mistake. Believe. Go ahead and believe in him. And look at the gift. Open your Bible with me, please, to Revelation chapter 3. As we move to the end. This is the first time I preached in spring break ever. Usually take these two Sabbaths off, but you know what? We started a journey and we've got to finish it. The last letter. The last letter in the Apocalypse, the last letter in the whole Bible. Revelation chapter 3, seven churches, seven letters, the last faith community on Earth gets the last letter. And look at this dynamite promise that the one who dictated the letter, that would be the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ. Look at this promise. Right near the end, what is this? Verse, verse 21. Revelation 3, 21. To him to her who overcomes. We just talked about winning, didn't we? To him, to her who wins. To him, to her who triumphs. Jesus says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That's a promise with one condition. Come on, scribble it down. there, There should be in your worship bulletin a study guide for today. Pull that out. And scribble it down. I'll put that on the uh, the title slide on the screen for those of you watching somewhere. There's the you see our website www.newperceptions.tv. Go to that website. You're looking for a series that is about to end. It ends next Sabbath with the biggest secret of all next Sabbath. Uh, but this one's entitled Game of Thrones: Crown of Thorns, Part One. Okay, let's go. We just read a promise. It. What's the promise? Scribble it down. You will sit with me on my throne one day. There's no mythical Game of Thrones here. This is the real deal. We're talking about the real deal throne, all right? So, what's the promise? You will sit with me on my throne one day. What's the condition? Jot it down. You must first overcome today. Not one day, but today you must first overcome seven letters, every single one of the seven ends with that, with that promise that begins with the condition, to the one who overcomes, to him, to her, to them. Actually, the Greek reads to the one who keeps on overcoming, to the one who keeps on winning, to the one who goes on from victory to victory day after day. In the Greek, uh, the, the, the tense is continuous action. And by the way, rather dramatic action, because this is the word straight off the battlefield. You want to talk about battle. This is battlefield language. When you win a war, this is the language of winning a battle as you move on to win a war. Same word. It's hardly a Game of Thrones. This is mortal combat. Listen to Sigve Tomstad. Put it on the screen, please. Look at... Uh, let him help us to that metaphor. On the screen, you see it. Awareness of conflict changes the way we construe victory and defeat. While Jesus makes promises to everyone who conquers with no object in the sentence. It just says, conquers. Conquers what? Conquers who? Conquers where? doesn't say. While he makes that promise to everyone, the tenor of conflict is better preserved, if we translate it to everyone who overcomes in the war. Write that down. In the war. It is not wrong to say that the believers overcome or conquer, of course, but it is implied throughout that they are engaged in a war. But what war are you talking about? We're talking about the greatest cosmic, the bloodiest intergalactic battle in the collective history of the universe, bar none. The Book of Revelation is all about it. We'll go to just one chapter in Revelation. Let me run these by you. Speaking of the war, Revelation chapter 12, on the screen, beginning in verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon and his angels fought back. It's obviously a war. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. He, the dragon, was hurled to earth, and his angels with him. Who's the dragon? It's the devil. Devil. Go, go Go down to verse 12. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has gone down to you having great wrath. The NIV reads he's filled with fury. He was hurled because he knows. Now, don't let that misreading catch you by surprise. Let me come back to that. For the devil has gone down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And once you know it, as his fury intensifies, the end of time accelerates. So, this thing is just shoo. One more line at the end of the chapter, verse 17. And the dragon was enraged now. This is at the end. And the dragon was enraged with a woman. She's the symbol of the seven churches of Christianity, 2,000 years. He was enraged with a woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, the remnant. These, these would be the people in the last church, the last faith community, and, and who are they? Who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus people who keep the commandments. What commandments? The Ten Commandments, obviously. All of them, I suppose. Fourth Commandment, yep. Seventh-day Sabbath, remember it and keep it holy, I suppose. Who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. The last war. Some call it the great controversy between Christ and Satan. This this is no mythical struggle. This is the real deal thing. I want to share a quotation with you. Just came across this uh, the stunning depiction last week. Put it on the screen. If the curtain could be rolled back and each one of us could discern the constant activities of the heavenly family to preserve the inhabitants of the earth from Satan's seductive wiles. They, we, would see that the armies of heaven are in continual warfare with satanic agencies to obtain victories in behalf of those who do not sense their danger and who, pass and who, are, who are passing on in unconscious indifference. I mean, look at You and I are sitting here. We've just had great music. But there's this war going on at this very moment. We, man, the sun is out. The music was great. I'm glad to be alive having no clue that if our ears would open and this curtain would be drawn aside, there is this massive struggle for every human being, baby, boy, man, woman, all the way through life, right now. We don't take the war seriously. Come on, let's be honest. We just don't. (laughs) We're so used to being here, and we love it here, and why not? Right now, for us, everything's coming up roses. Wait a day or two. And life changes, of course. Yeah. So, keep going. Angels are belting the world. Ooh, angels are belting the world, refusing Satan his claims to supremacy. You remember that that little village called Dothan? And the boy who was the sidekick to the prophet Elisha went out one early morning, and he look, it's oh, no. The enemy, the Assyrians, have surrounded that village. They're gunning for Elisha. He goes racing back in. Master, master, get up. Wake up. You're not gonna believe. Elisha goes out, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. He stands, and he looks, and he says, this poor boy, he said, oh, God, open the boy's eyes. You remember that? And the boy looks when his eyes are open, and he sees the hills covered with these, what was it? Chariots of fire covered, surrounded. You're always a majority even when you're standing alone. You are always a majority even when you're standing alone, so don't be afraid to stand up all by yourself. How oh, angels built the world, refusing Satan his claims to supremacy. Keep reading. We hear not the voices; we see not with natural sight the work of these angels, but their hands are linked about the world, and with sleepless vigilance they are keeping the armies of Satan at bay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a war, and the battle is intensifying. Read it again. Verse 21, Revelation 3, to him, to her, to them who overcome, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Unbelievable promise. (laughs) But it's that condition. To him who overcomes. To her who overcomes. Would you jot that down, please? Because what Jesus is really saying is to the one who overcomes as I overcame." This is nothing new. This is no new territory. Somebody's already been over this ground. "...through the One who overcomes as I overcome." And by the way, His promise is we will overcome in the very same way. Could it be, could it be any clearer? John 16, What did Jesus say in this world? This is just before His execution. This is late Thursday night. In this world, you're gonna suffer. You're gonna suffer trouble. You're gonna have tribulation, but take heart. I like it in the NIV. But cheer up. I have what? I have overcome the what? I've overcome the entire world. I've overcome. Yeah, yeah. We needed that amen, Pastor Jose, right at that moment. Could be any clearer. Hey, look at, look at, look at folks. The issue here is, is an endgame. War, all right? And at the heart of the issue is faith. There's no faith in a hometown called Nazareth. Is there any faith in a home church, this this end faith community, is there any faith in a home church called Laodicea? No lepers were healed in Nazareth. How many many sinners are getting healed in Laodicea? You say, no sinner's healed, right? I'm not suggesting that. But, you know, the, the, the reality is Laodicea doesn't believe... Hold on. It doesn't believe that it can actually be healed of sin. No. Either because they keep trying to heal themselves on their own power or because they really don't think it's possible to be healed from sinning in this life. But what if? Here's the question. What if Jesus could heal us from sinning? What if he could help us from sinning? I have a book given to me by a friend years ago. The author of the book wrote it under the pseudonym, and here's the pseudonym, Von Allen. I understand, having read through the book, I understand why he didn't want his name on the, on the, on the cover. But in the book, amazing. He, 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 he... Well, let me get the title of the book first. The war is real, and so is the victory. Now, I want to share a line or two. Now, he's, he's speaking of overcoming and why more Christians Don't live victorious lives today. And he suggests two reasons. Jot these down. See see what you think, okay? Reason number one, why, why there isn't more victory in my life. Reason number one, we don't fully appreciate the sinfulness of sin. Could that be it? Von Allen writing, We do not realize how utterly detestable sin is. We do not comprehend how contrary sin is to God's character and how terribly offensive it is to Him. We have lived with sin and its results so long and have toyed with sin so much that it's no big deal to us. True or false? It's true. I mean, what's that? (laughs) Look, at once in a while. It's not that big a deal. Steps to Christ, that little classic, that Christian classic. On the screen, we shall not renounce sin unless we see its sinfulness. Ron Allen again. Oh, that's good. In fact, I I wish you'd just circle this whole quotation you have it in your study guide. The absolute horror of sin can be seen only when we look at the cross. It would be well for us each day to pray, then, two prayers. Here are the two prayers he suggests. Prayer number one, that God would give us a genuine abhorrence of sin. And prayer number two, that God would give us a hatred for it because of what it did to the Son of God and because of what it does to us." End quote. Hey, listen, guys, I know this is not a, this is not a comfortable subject. I mean, who, who talks about sin anymore? Who wants to talk about sin? Please. Jesus is our Savior, and that's all you need to tell us, except that Jesus himself, in the very last letter to the last faith community on this planet, says, no, there's more I need to tell you. You overcome. To him, to her, to you who win, I'm going to give you the right to sit on my throne with me forever and ever. Gotta be a big deal. Two reasons why the Laodiceans are not gaining the victory over temptation and sin. Reason number one, we do not fully appreciate the sinfulness of sin, and write it down. Here's the other one. We are not convinced that victory over sin is possible in this life. In fact, Von Allen writes: many are convinced that such victory is impossible. No possible. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot do it. Ah, uh, here's... here's let, me, let me go for a moment to that apocalyptic classic, Great Controversy. Look at this. You have to fill it in. If those who hide and excuse their faults... Look, you're talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. God, it's not that big a deal. Do you understand that? I know, I know. But it's just... It's not that big an issue. Don't worry about it. I'll get over it. By the end of my life, I'll have it all dealt with. If those who hide and excuse their faults could see how Satan exults over them, how he taunts Christ and the holy angels with their course. Yo, God, have you seen Dwight lately talking about a piece of work? Look at him. Big with the lips, but look at his life. How he taunts Christ and the holy angels with our course. We would make haste if we knew. We would make haste to confess our sins and to put them away. I don't want it anymore, anymore. I don't need it. I don't have to live with this. Through defects in the character, my character, Satan works to gain control of the whole mind, and he knows that if these defects are cherished, he'll succeed. Therefore, he's constantly seeking to deceive the followers of Christ. Now, here it comes, the punchline with his fatal, right in the word fatal, because you know what fatal means? It's deadly. It'll kill you. His fatal sophistry. Boy, that's an old word. What's that mean? It means deception. His fatal deception. It's constantly seeking to deceive the followers of Christ with this fatal deception that it is impossible for them to overcome. You can't do it. I'm telling you. Well, there are people that even teach that. I mean, there are people that even preach that. You don't, you don't get over it. You don't get over it in this life. Maybe something, boom, for the final generation, then shoo, something disappears, but you never get over it. I'm just wondering. Did Jesus miss something here? He said, to the ones who win. Continuous action. Day after day after day. He could have just said to the ones who win at the very end. No, day after day. If you win, I'm going to let you sit with me on my throne. Stupendous promise. But could it be we have failed so many times we have concluded it cannot be done in my power? It just can't be done. Listen to this, another line on the screen. Without Christ, we cannot subdue a single sin or overcome the smallest temptation. Jesus himself declared, come on, let's read it out loud together. John 15, 5. Without me, you can do how much? Come on, let's do that again. Without me, you can do nothing, zero, nada. You cannot do a thing without me. Mm. The reasons why we Laodicean Christians. Don't live with overcoming. Number one, we don't fully appreciate the sinfulness of sin. Number two, we're not convinced that victory over sin is even possible in this life. But you know what? Come on. Given Jesus' clear command to the one who overcomes day after day after day, I will give you the throne. Given that it's apparent that Jesus believes you can win with him, that means this, this this sophistry, this, this deception about, ah, it's impossible, it's impossible not to sin is what it is, a bald-faced lie whispered by the deceiver of the human race. Yeah, you're not gonna win this. <laughs> Don't even try. <laughs> you know how long you have struggled with this thing? Make peace with it. Just, you know, there's some things you just you shake hands and say, all right, we'll go together. It's a lie. How do I know? Look at this. Philippians 4.13. Come on. Let's read this out loud. This is too good. We can't just keep this to ourselves. Read it out loud with me. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ladies and gentlemen, how many things can I do through Christ? How many things? I suppose that could also mean I can overcome through Christ who strengthens me. True or false? It's got to be true. If I can do all things through Christ, then that surely includes winning day after day after day. You're saying, do I you're never going to sin? I'm not saying you're never going to sin. I'm talking about winning. I'm tired of focusing on sinning. He doesn't say, he doesn't end the letter to Laodicea, and all those who quit sinning will sit with me on the throne. No, he doesn't put it in the negative. He says, let me, let me, let me give it to you in the positive. All those who win day after day, you'll sit with me on the throne. I'm not talking about wimping out. I'm talking about winning out until the very end. They say, Dwight, you're still talking about an impossibility. Well, take that up with with Paul in Philippians 4.13. And by the way, here's one more. Just in case you had a question about Philippians 4.13, look at Jude 24, next to the last book of the Bible on the screen. Now to him who is able to keep you from what? From what? From falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He can keep you and me from losing. That falling isn't just stumbling around. Come on, do I? It doesn't mean keep you from sinning. It means exactly what you said, stumbling around. Oh, really? I keep, by, uh, with all my Bibles, I'm on the page for Jude 24, this one-liner. But put it on the screen as well. He who has not sufficient faith in Christ. You see, this whole thing is about faith. Do you believe it or not? Nazareth didn't believe it. Laodicea didn't believe it. That's why he's outside. They kept him out. Are, we keep- Are you keeping him out now? Are you keeping him out now? Sophisticated mind and life that you are, are you keeping him out when he wants to come in? Okay, how's this go here? He who has not sufficient faith in Christ to believe that he can keep him from sinning. Write that in. He can keep you from sinning. Has not the faith that will give him an entrance into the kingdom of God? Hey, listen, that's a no-brainer. Because if you don't believe that Jesus, Jesus can keep you from sinning today, why would you... Oh, you why, how would you have enough faith to say, I believe he could take me to heaven? If you believe that he can take you to a place you have never seen and but do not believe that he can help you with a problem you can't see, why would you go there when you can't deal with it here without that faith? We don't have faith enough to enter heaven, <laughs> we're no better than the people of Nazareth. And there will be no miracles among us, because there's no upper overcoming within us. And the one who overcomes as I overcame declares the Lord of Laodicea. I want to go to 1 John 2, because the writer of Revelation wrote a letter uh, just near the end of the Bible. I wish you could have been here during Sabbath school. This place is full. From the center aisle forward, filled with our kids and our Sabbath school leaders. God bless our Sabbath school leaders. I'm so proud of them. Glynis Bradfield and her team, I think, it was from zero up to fourth or fifth grade. And they brought a chemistry professor in who said, I- I'm going to talk about First John. Well, my ears pricked up because that's exactly what we were going to talk about this morning. So, we snapped some pictures. A little fuzzy, but this happened about 60 minutes ago. In this space, when he, David Randall, this is David Randall, one of our chemistry professors on campus, he said, Hey, I want to show you something. Let me see that picture of David Randall. All right, but I need to see, did you get a picture of the flask? We haven't even had a chance to look at these. Uh, apparently they're not changing it. But he stood up here. Oh, yeah, the flask is in his other hand. I'm sorry. You see that dark thing in his other hand? That's, that's a glass canister. You see that? And he put iodine in it. He says, This is sin. This is sin. Hey, kids, this is sin. So he put, it looks like this. And then he says, watch this, magic. And he took, I don't know what it was, but he poured it in. And voila! It's, there's not a, not a shred of that darkness left. And he says, that's what God does with your sins. Uh-huh. You go. You go, Professor. That's precisely the gospel. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's just been written. And now we go to... Let's put 1 John 2, 1 on the screen. So, John says, hey, I want to I I write to you, followers of Christ, my little children. These things I write to you so that you may not what? So that you may not sin. We have known this verse. You've seen this verse all your life. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, How's it go? We have a, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know what? We're so excited about the, the, second half of that, the second half of that verse that we totally miss the first half. Well, we do a little something about the Greek tenses in First John, and we say, well, this is continuous sinning, and that's what you stop doing, but you go on sinning you know, every now and then. And I know what we're doing. We're wanting to preserve We're wanting to preserve the focus on our Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus at the ending to the letter of Laodicea says, oh, by the way, when you win, day after day after day, as I won, you'll sit with me one day on the throne of the universe. Now John in fact talks about this a little further go down to drop down to 1 John uh, chapter 5 put it on the screen for this is the love of God verses 3 and 4 that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whoever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God Jesus says listen guys i know in this life you'll have trouble it's going to be hard I wish I could tell you that you're just gonna skate through this. You're not gonna skate through it. It's gonna be hard. But take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, the question that begs asking is, how do we Laodiceans overcome? How are we to overcome as Jesus overcame? In the last letter, he tells us, plain as the nose on your face. Why haven't I seen this before? I'm gonna show you something. Watch this. Now, the verse we've just read is verse 21. Let's read it again. To him, to her who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. I never saw this before, but do you realize that just before Jesus had Jesus speaks these words that we've been focusing on this morning, just before he speaks it, before he breathes a word about overcoming, about winning, about victorious living, he speaks a very clear word about himself. I want you to catch verse 20. We've read verse 20 before, but here it is again. Just before he calls us to win day after day after day, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm outside. Look at I'm outside. I need to come in. Just if I'm knocking at the door. Before I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him to her and dine with them, and they will dine with me." Would you jot this down, please? Before Jesus ever commands Laodicea to overcome the devil, he invites us first to open up the door. Not a word. Not a word about overcoming until first he says, hey. Hey, I'm trying to get your attention. Anybody in there? Yo, if you can hear me, if you would just open this door, I will come in to you, and then you and I together, we overcome day after day after day. Ladies and gentlemen, verse 20 precedes verse 21. The promise is in 21, but the power is in verse 20. You see that? Am I making something up? Before the overcoming, not before a word, the promise: Open up the door, and I will come into you. I stand at the door and knock. That's faith. I mean, anybody that would hear his voice, that's faith. Anybody that opens the door, that's an act of faith. Faith invites him in. And faith says, "All right, you start winning in my life. The issue is faith. The issue is believing. It's trusting. And by the way, Jesus said, you will overcome as I overcame. How did Jesus overcome? You, 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 scan, you scan the Gospels, four Gospels. It's not rocket science. Scan the Gospels, and you will see pre, two predominant practices in the life of Jesus. And particularly, they intensify when he goes hand-to-hand and face-to-face with the enemy. Now, you and I never go face to face with the enemy, but we go hand-to-hand every single day. We just don't see him, right? Two practices of Jesus. You, know, you want to know what they are? <laughs> this is so simple, I'm embarrassed. But they're these. Number one, Jesus spent much time in prayer with his Father. he get up early in the morning, late at night. Sometimes he'd pray all night. Why? Because overcome, overcoming necessitates these two practices. Much time in prayer. And practice number two, Jesus consumed the word as if it were bread. He feasted on it. He ate that word. He prayed. He read. He prayed. He read. As I overcame him, you overcome him. Does that seem too simplistic, not a huge solution, complicated, not at all. But what if it were possible? What if it were possible that Jesus is right, that we really can overcome, that we can win this thing? With him inside, of course, we could win this thing day after day after day. What if he were right? And maybe there'll be a faith community like Laodicea at the very end of the line that one day wakes up and says, man, <laughs> I've been saying it's impossible. I've been telling others it's impossible. You can't do this. And Jesus comes along and says, "It's not that impossible? I did it. I want you to do it through me. She who overcomes day after day, he who overcomes day after day, Now, let me end with this, and then I'll tell you a short story. Quotation on the screen. John pointed the people... That's John the Baptist. "...pointed the people to the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world." He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is a great deal in that taketh away." He takes it away. If you've been carrying something around your ankle, like a ball and chain, something that you've, you've dragged through your life to this very day, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, there's a great deal in those words, takes away. The question is, keep reading. The question is, shall we keep on sinning as though it were an impossibility for us to overcome? That's a rhetorical question. No. Well, then the next question, how are we to overcome? Answer, as Christ overcame. And that is the only way. He prayed to His heavenly Father. That was the practice. He just prayed. He prayed to his heavenly father. We can do the same. When tempted to speak wrong or do wrong, resist Satan and say, I will not surrender my will to your control. I will cooperate with divine power and through grace be a conqueror. End quote. That's it. Just like Jesus. He prayed to his father and was given the power to overcome, to win. I want you to overcome as I overcame. Then come and sit on the throne with me. The question is, is, can't you make this any more practical? I can't. Let me end with this story. There was a little girl who invited Jesus into her heart. She was so excited that Jesus had come into her heart that she was just telling everybody. Well, one day, a grumpy grown-up came along, and grown-ups tend to be grumpy with children. And the, the grown-up looked down at this little girl and said, yeah, but uh, how do you deal with temptation? She didn't, she didn't miss a beat. A smile still on her face, and she cheerily replied, well, now that I've, I've invited Jesus into my heart, when Satan comes knocking, I send Jesus to the door. <laughs> Brilliant little girl. She got it. That's it. That's all you have to know. Today's message, the teaching ends with this. You invite Jesus in, and when the devil comes back, he'll be back. When the devil comes back and you hear that knocking, just send Jesus to the door. (laughs) Works every time. She got it. And you know what, Laodicea? It is time for us to get it to We can't keep blowing off this sin thing and saying, I'll get over it someday. You don't have someday. You have today. You have today, and that's all you have. So why would you put it off? He says, if you overcome as I overcome, you win. Get me inside. And when the devil comes back, remember now, our little secret. You have me. Answer the door. Works every time. Overcome. <laughs> when you can, because He can. Yes, you can, because He can. Don't you let nobody tell you you can't stop that sinning. Whatever that sinning is, you can stop it through Christ. Amen. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. This is a tough subject. But we had to deal with it. We couldn't skip it. Because God's waiting. (laughs) The planet is a mess. Jesus is coming soon. There is going to be a faith community on this planet symbolized by this Laodicea, and this faith community is going to rise up and say, you know what? Count me in. You come in, and then count me in. We'll do this battle thing together." And you'll win. I promise you, you'll win.